the unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in the hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homish to the Buddha, homish to the Dharma, homish to the Sangha. Well, it's really nice to see you all, to see everybody, to have you all here, have all of us here, actually. Oh, I'm so happy to see you, Claire. I can't help it, I have to say. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> and all of you, actually, it's really, really nice. So. so, and welcome to all our online people. Now, I can't look at you while I'm doing this deed or I'll get distracted. So I have to just do this deed and you're there as much as you can be. But I know you're there. I just have to do it this way. I'm trying to balance it, you know, and I'll explain that after. So, this week, we're going to study the way of the Bodhisattva. We've all, we all know this, don't we? By um, the Indian monk, Shantideva. And uh, if you've read it, it, you know it's a really remarkable work. It's really lively. It doesn't pull his punches at all. It's quite extremely direct. And I really like him. And, um, and also he's fairly easy to follow, actually, on the whole. When he goes into philosophical discourse, it can be a bit hard, but he always makes, he always makes it clear why he's doing that. So you don't have to follow all the things. You can see, ah, oh, we do this, because what it comes down to is such and such, you know, you can let go of suffering, or the self isn't a real thing, so don't get too hung up on it, or whatever it might be, a straightforward, simple, practical thing. So, and so his work is very lively, and it's also very beautiful and poetic. The Dalai Lama said, if I have any understanding of compassion and the practice of the Bodhisattva path, it is entirely on the basis of this text that I possess it. So he says, it's very clear, this is a real, you know, recommendation. If he has any understanding of compassion and the Bodhisattva path, it's because of this very text that we're going to study. Good. So, the full Sanskrit title is Bodhisattva Charyavatara. So it's for short, they call it Bodhicharyavatara, which means the way of the Bodhisattva or entrance to the path of awakening. Just lovely. So, this is what we're doing. So, I'm going to use this text, this translation, there's lots of translations. Um, there's several Sanskrit ones, because it was originally in Sanskrit, or translations from Sanskrit, rather, into English. And there's some where it was translated into Tibetan, and then from Tibetan into English. And one of, that's what I'm going to use this one, because... The Tibetans have used it as a practice for a thousand years and some, and it's a practice thing for them. It's not just scholarly. Scholarship is fine. I'm not a scholar. I haven't read the Sanskrit text. I've made no comparisons. I've done no scholastic study whatsoever. All I've done is use this text because I came across it years ago, recommended by a dear friend whom we know well, and um, I've loved it ever since. So I thought, well... If it works, why look for something else? It's just, I think it's wonderful. So, we're doing that. And it's beautiful, it's vivid, it's very readable, and it's extremely helpful 
for our training. So if you haven't read it, I recommend it because it's really good. And it's somewhat apparently somewhat less scholarly than those trans, you know, Sanskrit, Sanskrit translations, the ones from Sanskrit, because it's more for practice, as I said. Studied, I made for practitioners, so it might be a bit more loosely translated, you know, and it's been studied and practiced by the, in the Tibetan tradition for many years and in the, in the Mahayana tradition also. It's a Mahayana text, actually. So our purpose is not scholarship, it's practice. And as we study this text, we think of practice, putting it into practice. And Chantideva's text is nothing if it's not practical. As I said, he keeps making it clear that his purpose is practical. Well, there's no way that I could cover this whole text in one week because there are teachers who spend their whole teaching career teaching this one text, and we're doing this for a week. So I've had to select things, and it's actually quite hard to choose what you're going to talk about because, they, oh, we said, oh, I don't know. I don't want to make the lectures, the talks too long because it gets kind of, you get dazed and crazed after a bit. And um, so I've tried to keep it to some of the things that you know are simple that make sense to us, and and there's lots more, but to have some of the basic things in there. So I've left out a lot. That's why I say, read the whole thing, read the whole thing if you can. But if you don't, and and the introduction too, by the way, this is a very good introduction. But if you don't read the whole thing, it's perfectly fine, because you will derive some benefit anyway, because we will talk about this text. We have Dharma talks and discussions and so forth. Well, who was Shantideva? There are all sorts of legends about him and stories, and some of them contradict each other. But it does seem to be certain that he was a monk at Nalanda University, the great Buddhist university in northern India, and he was there in the 8th century. It lasted for hundreds of years, but he was there, I think, in the 8th century, it seems to be. But it's not completely clear. And the most well-known story about him, which is in the appendix, actually, that um, he was a devotee of Manjusri. He uh, devoted himself to Manjusri Bodhisattva, the Bodhisattva of wisdom, and would have visions of Manjusri, meditate deeply on Manjusri, and Manjusri was kind of a, a guide for him, you know. And he had a deep practice. But the other monks at the university didn't know this. He didn't seem to do anything. He didn't come to things. He didn't work. He didn't study anything. He said all he did was eat, sleep, poop, and walk about. You know, that was it. He didn't seem to do anything. And they didn't like him. So they decided to get rid of him. And what their thought was to do was to um, set, up, set it up so that they would take turns to do a lecture for the whole community. And then when it came to his turn, the vicar he'd probably bow out and say, oh, I'm not going to do it and run away. Well, he didn't. When his turn came, he said, okay, I'll do that. So they thought, okay. So they built this huge high throne for him to make him look like a fool, trying to climb up on this thing. So they all turn up for the lecture, and suddenly there he is, sitting on this throne, completely at ease. Oh. And he says, um, would you like to hear something that we're all used to? You know, think of your, a scripture or a text that you're familiar with. Or would you like something new? And they said, well, let's have something new. Thinking, hmm, what are you going to come up with? And he recites this wonderful text. 
which they're completely gobsmacked because it's, it's an amazing work. Now, it's not clear whether he had written it ahead of time and he read it or whether it was remembered and written down afterwards or whether he wrote it down afterwards. We don't know. But it doesn't really matter because it's a beautiful, helpful thing for us. And it's said that when he was reciting this text towards the end, I think when he's in the meditation chapter, he starts to rise into the air. Manjusri has appeared above, ahead of, by this time, Manjusri is there looking down. Shantideva starts to rise into the air. He keeps talking, they can hear him. Finally, they can't see him anymore, but they can still hear his voice until he gets to the end of the discourse. Oh, it's a lovely story. Maybe it's true we weren't there, we don't know. But it's so nice to have a story like this. We all love stories where somebody looks like they're a complete failure and then they come through and, and do the great thing. We all love stories like that. And this just about takes a biscuit because it's a really nice one. And this text is completely wonderful. However it, however it turned up, it's just really, really nice. So, about the retreat. Well, as you know, we're doing it both in person and online. And so we're going to try to make a balance so that we include everybody. Everybody can hear, everybody can see, or see something anyway, but mostly hear each other and hear the talks and so forth. And everybody feels included. So, and also to be able to speak to things during the discussion. So we're going to work that out so we can do that. And if there's any problems, we'll try and fix them. And if you can't hear anybody, whether here or online at home, let us know and we'll try and fix it because we want everyone to be able to be part of it. The Dharma talks, we're going to have them sitting in meditation as we often do during these retreats. Everybody in here being here, sitting in meditation. It'll be a bit dark because we don't have all the lights on when we sit. So... We'll be streaming it, but you won't be able to see a whole lot. you just see this dim mayan image, probably. So you might as well just sit in meditation like the rest of us when you're at home. And don't be gazing at this little screen, unless you want to. You're welcome to if you want to. But I think you might as well just sit and not worry about the little dim screen. So there's that. We're going to also we're going to stream the talks and also record them. So if anybody misses the talk when it's streamed, they can hear it later because some people won't be here right from the beginning. During our discussions, but we're not going to try to have everybody seeing everybody else, because it's too complicated, it's really awkward, and I don't think it's necessary. But if we can hear, hear what people are saying, hear our questions or our comments or our discussion, then that's the main thing. So we're going to try to make that work. So when we're in here, we'll have us sitting in a circle like we usually do for these discussions, and we have a computer or two or six, um, but, but not right there, you know, so that we can talk together and the people online are also part of that. And somebody, one of our dear monks, will be um, making sure that anybody who is online can ask a question, you know, wave a hand or wait, do, a, do a little hand thing you do um, so that we can include everyone and everyone can say something, everyone can hear everybody, we hope, and that's what we are trying to do. The formal sanzen is for people who are here in person, because we can't have formal sanzen online, actually. But if you want to talk to somebody, talk to a monk, whether here or when you're online, just ask, and we'll arrange it. 
earlier is better than later because it's easier for us to arrange if it's not right at the very end. But just whatever works for you. It's okay if it's suddenly the last minute. We'll do our best. And I think that's about it for the practical aspects. And um, this is just a little talk because you know, most of you have traveled a long way. And it's just a little introduction, really. And really just to say hello, let you know what we're doing and kind of why. And just to greet everyone. And it's just really nice to see you all. So I hope you'll all find the retreat helpful and enjoyable. And thank you for being here and being a part of it, both here and at home. We're very happy to have you all. So thank you. Take care. And now we'll have a little meditation, I think. Thank you. Talks are never long, but, um, you know. <laughs> when you're sitting in meditation, it's not a bad thing to have a not too long a talk. Thank you.